if you say, oh, you are a, a person experiencing <laughs> richness. Right? something that everyone, d- 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 anyone's going to harp on you. Welcome back to the Exactly. Do you see what I'm saying? and I are here. And this is going to be an interesting one for everyone. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Walker Jr. And I'm here with So, what we want to talk about today is how do we different backgrounds and life experiences? We're coming together on this podcast. Label great people because there is value shut down tough conversations can't about race, focus at the culture, level all power, the time. and ego. And it the stories you are about to hear Courtney are meant to humanize those deeply involved in um, social justice. So he's Welcome fired up. He's work, chomping y'all. at the bit. <laughs> but before we go into that, I just want to mention, we do have a Patreon page now. Um, if you have been enjoying the podcast and getting value out of it, and you want to help us make sure we can get the podcast out to more and more people, Please come and join the Patreon page. All of the donations that we get there just go straight towards um, supporting our production team, who they are a amazing production team. So um, it's patreon.com backslash the humanized podcast. So that said, this is what happened today. Okay. Yes. So Courtney and I are like, what is the mini episode we're going to do today? And we are going to talk about agency and the importance of power at a vulnerable time. And this kind of went into this, mm-hmm. this conversation. So I brought up to Courtney and I was like, hey, you know, I've been noticing that you use the phrase the vulnerable, like supporting the vulnerable or, you know, the stories of the vulnerable on your Instagram. And so my my feedback for him was like, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, kind of coming out of critical theory who are saying that we really need to make sure to talk about people in terms of the experience they're having rather than label them that experience. So the example would be instead of saying a homeless person, you say a person experiencing homelessness. And yeah, turns out Courtney has some thoughts on that. So we're just kind of going to explore this a little bit and see if we can muddy up the waters and maybe get some clarity. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. What really aggravates me is is academia and how you intellectualize social issues, you know, and instead of worrying about the, the, the problem at large, we're worrying about semantics. How does it sound to help instead of how do you truly help? You know, I am a hundred percent about respecting and, and making sure that individuals aren't mislabeled or using a label to, to dehumanize. However, if I say, a a homeless man or homeless woman or homeless child versus a child, a woman or a man experiencing homelessness, and I'm doing it from a desk, you know, that's not progressing the life of those individuals. Now, if I am, I, I have sat in homelessness, I have sat in the rooms, I have been, have I've had many conversations with individuals experiencing th- those um, realities, and no one cares about that what are you going to do to help me elevate from this situation so I can be a rich man, a rich woman, a rich child versus, because if you say, oh, you are a, a person experiencing <laughs> richness. That's not something that <laughs> anyone's going to harp on you about. Does that feel? Exactly. Do you see what I'm saying? 
so so on the other end of that spectrum, it like, are you gonna be mad? When I become rich, I'm going to say, hey, don't you dare say I'm a rich man. Say I'm a man experiencing riches at this point in my life. No. You know? And so and focusing on that is a semantic issue versus what are you doing to help? If you have such an issue with that, what are you doing to help the vulnerable? What are you... What is... So now, if you're in the streets helping the vulnerable and they come to you and say, look, I feel kind of dehumanized. Now that's a conversation we should have. But I have never heard a vulnerable man, woman, or child say, please stop saying that. All I've heard is, yo, doc, what can we do? How can we get out of this? Please help me. That's all, that's all I care about. So that that I have an issue with individuals who try to intellectualize a problem mm-hmm. instead of actually helping said problem. Yeah, I hear that. And what, so I think my perspective is, you know, as someone who's worked in international NGOs and nonprofit world, like those, those are spaces that I've worked in a lot. And season three, episode two was about why the language we use is so important, I think was roughly the title, you know, and there we're talking about whiteness and the constructs that kind of follow out of that. And I think that my perspective is, more from the, you know, the people that are coming into communities and trying, you know, ideally, hopefully to collaborate with the community to address problems, sometimes just figuring out their own solutions and trying to retrofit them, which is, you know, not the greatest. But I do think that how we talk about things will then affect how we solve the problem. So I did research in Colombia with women who are displaced by the armed conflict. And so each of those words is really intentional. I didn't do research on those women. I did research with those women. It was participatory. It was collaborative. They were creating charts and graphs that were in my my master's thesis. And they were not displaced women. They were women who were displaced. And so I just think it's much more empowering to talk about them not as displaced women, because displaced women is an identity that you could carry with you for the rest of your life. But the women who, I mean, both situations, they, you know, they they were a victim of a situation, but it was just an, an experience that they went through rather than who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I've been, you see, a lot of times when individuals are, again, defining this and and then labeling this and saying language is important are doing it from an elevated mm-hmm. situation yeah that situation i was talking you know, about they're doing it from right like it's it is there's a power yeah, difference there yeah, no matter yeah. how i talk about yeah. it you so you see i've had the fortune and misfortune of of, of right. having my foot in both worlds you know and so i when I say those things, I still see myself as a vulnerable person because at one time that reality was my true reality. And I never like sat away from it and said, I'm helping y'all. I am helping. When I say the vulnerable, I'm actually speaking about myself as well because I view the problem that it, unless I do something for the collective, I'm always oppressed. I, I am not doing something for them. I'm doing something for us 
Humanized is not for everyone. Humanized is for us, including me. You know, like, so the work that I do, when I say, when I make a label about a, is, is, is not me helping you because I'm in this position to do that. I am in a position, but I'm also on that team. I am not doing it to help you. I'm not giving a donation. I am giving the donation and reaping the benefits from said donation because I am vulnerable as well. And if I don't elevate my community, I am a part of that community. Not just, I'm not talking about black, I'm talking about individuals who are oppressed. I will always be oppressed no matter what my bank account looks like. So here's an interesting question. That makes that makes sense in terms of your positionality, but you are now in a a role through the podcast and through your work that a lot of people are looking to you as a leader and will be mimicking how you're talking about things and will not share that same positionality. How do you both stay authentic to your positionality and not spread this norm of, you know, white rich people should go around talking about the vulnerable, which is clearly talking about the other for them? Great question. Great question. I, um, I, I routinely think about it as, you know, when Thanksgiving and Christmas comes around, individuals are always willing to make that a ritual in their, fa- in their household. And, and that's more of a good feeling because if you're homeless and you're hungry and you live on the street, you're homeless and hungry other times than Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know? So if you make giving and you make assisting and you make that a lifestyle, you can have the verbiage of the vulnerable because now you're seeing that your 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 futures are intertwined. So even if you are rich and you and you make it a practice and a lifestyle, that's what being authentic, that's how I keep my authenticity because I don't remove myself from the problem. I make sure that I sit in the problem, understand the problem, don't make assumptions about the problem, don't don't intellectualize the problem, but know said problem. That's how, even no matter what my position in this life is, I will always be a part of the problem because it can never be solved until I know it thoroughly. It's like it's like I'm married to to the problem, and and see it is. is not married to the problem, but married to the idea that we cannot make it to freedom, to liberation, unless we all are walking this path together. I'm not free and reaching back to help slaves. We're all slaves walking to freedom together. That's how I visualize. So if someone asks me as a leader now, this stage in my life, how can you stay authentic like you did? I would always say, understand, know, feel, touch, make it a, a a lifestyle choice to to address the problem in your way. My way of leadership is not your way, Emily, mm-hmm. of, of leading. Yeah. You know? But you've made it you've you've made it a, a way now that it's starting to become, oh, I gotta do this humanized thing. We gotta do this. We gotta push this. We gotta make sure it's starting to become a part of you. So now you're we're walking together we're wearing different shoes, different clothes, different hats, you know, but we're still together arm in arm walking towards liberation and creating spaces. So I I would never say, hey, Emily, be like me, look like me, talk like me, address issues like me. However, I need you in the pit with me to get the view that I'm getting because if you're on the mountaintop and I'm in the, in the shit, like you, you really can't help me. That's patronizing. 
You know, and so that's that's how I would say to keep it um, to, to for 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 young white, uh, rich black rich Mexican. It it no matter what your race is, if you're rich and you want to give back, it doesn't have to look like mine. You don't have to have uh, a background that that resembles mine. You have to have a lens towards the future that resembles mine. If you're 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 true about liberation, because. I'm not saying that I am perfect in this mm-hmm. walk by far. However, if you're really serious about liberation, you should be willing to be in a conversation about it. You should be willing to really mm-hmm. understand it. So that's what that that's where I am. Yeah, you're clear you're talking about positionality here and like how how we're orienting towards each other. And it's making me think of well, it's making me think of this post um that I put on Instagram maybe a month ago which would be in August, 2021. (laughs) I'm struggling with time this episode. (laughs) August, 2021. Um, About how political, I think it was political correct, the term political correctness reeks of white supremacy. Hmm. So where I'm coming from in this episode is both wanting to talk about things in a way that empowers people and there's a part of this that's like, I want to get it right. I want to say things right. And that, you know, you can go back and read that that post on our Instagram or our Facebook, but it's basically talking about, you know, how white supremacy culture is so obsessed with perfectionism and getting getting things right. And I'm just noticing in this conversation that it's like, there's a part of me that's concerned with getting it right and and being correct and i'm just wondering now you know is that a good use of energy like is it is it more important for me to be using that energy towards understanding and immersing myself in the issue that i'm talking about or is it more important for me to talk about it correctly both and right because how how see see i'm all gas you know that you know and see with you being break you know like that that's all break. that's a that's no 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 you're not but i'm saying like that brings that brings balance right. to this situation it, you know and so i would never tell you to change it's just a perspective you know we you had the conversation to me because that's what you're used to doing you don't want to offend but in the work that we're doing please understand the offense is already there. You're going to offend. You know? What I mean? yeah. yeah. I've I'm uh-huh. going to offend. Uh-huh. I'm going to offend. I'm less worried about if I offend someone versus how I recover from the offense and what I, how I re- how I respond to offending that person. If I say something wrong, which I usually do, I would say, "Look, my apologies 100%." But if you know me, you know that my intentions was is is never going to be to offend any man, child, boy, girl, black, white, green, yellow. There will never be a time in my life now where I will go out to offend anyone. The impact, However, I yeah, will the offend people. Can be different than your intention. Yeah, and you have to be able to mm-hmm. repair from that, right? I feel like anti-racism 100%. work is like a lot of repair. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of relationship repair. Rather, you know, maybe that's I, I really feel like that's where the energy needs to be rather than how do we talk about people? 
like a training exactly. that's like you to refer to this group this way, this group this way. It's more like, how do yeah. you feel with that defensiveness that just jumps out like, you know, when someone Thank corrects you. you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. See, the thing, you get defensive when when you feel like, what, you, you're audacious. You're like, how dare you correct me? You mean that? Then you get defensive, like, oh, I did it because I did it because I'm never gonna be like that. Like, Courtney, you messed up. Oh, shit, my bad. You know what? I do that routinely and I apologize for my ignorance. How can we repair that? Like, I'm quick to say that. You know, it, it's like this. I don't know if you saw it. Like, we were talking about this, the new Dave Chappelle series that just came out. I know, I need to see it. You know, and um, the closer. It was. I mean, Dave Chappelle's a goat, man. He is one of the, the he's, he's amazing. And um, he had a, a line in there that said, it's easier for Caitlyn Jenner to change her, her sex versus Muhammad Ali to change his name. All right. You know, like that's, see, that right there shows you the political correctness. Like no one's going to go up and say, hey, how dare you change your sex? Because then that's all, but- a, a man wanted to change his name for a black man wanted to do his own thing. It's like everyone's on him for that. It was back in the day. So just something to think about, like the political correctness, shit sound good. But how is it moving the needle? LGBTQA plus 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 hundred percent. I I love who you love. But if you change all the, the if you have all those acronyms, but you you're you're in a closet calling them horrible names that's that's fucked up that's that's worse than than miss saying a pronoun you know because if if i don't call someone a they and they a cornea they i apologize i love you though you know what i mean let's work let's work to train me so how how do i address you that's more more important to me than having a a, a whole lecture on LGBTQA, when you see this person, they give them that, did a whole hour on that, I'll lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's a, <laughs> it's a little hard. Like I, you know, I'm a heterosexual cisgender woman. And so I, I feel like a little hard to weigh in on that. Cause I don't know. I don't know that experience. Um, I, I, I don't either, but I met, I yeah. mess up a lot, you know, like I, I'm always corrected. They. Yeah. Oh shit. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you I know, think was, you know. I think the. Uh, yeah, I just keep coming back to this idea of correctness, you know, and like, it's such a. It feels like it's a, the term political correctness is like twisting the knife in white supremacy of like if we can just get people focused on trying to be perfect in this realm that is full of imperfection. It is imperfection. Anti-racism work is imperfection. No one knows how to get it right. No one is doing it completely right. Even saying that phrase is white supremacy because we're talking about getting it right. 100%. So we do, this is a mini episode. So we're going to wrap up here with giving you lots and lots <laughs> to think about there. Yeah. Lots of different perspectives, even just between the two of us. And so I know that there'd be Lots of people wanting to engage more. So come over to our Instagram and Facebook feed. Tell us what you think. Um, engage in the conversation. Don't just be a bystander. Yeah. We want this community to come together. Yes. Let's get ready to <laughs> rumble.
<laughs> I love it. Yo, let's right. do it, y'all. Love you guys. Thank you, everyone. Peace. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.